0: culture of in dialogue Listen to the podcast of the Fund for Humanitarian This is Memory Cultures in Dialogue the podcast of the Humanitarian Law Center from Belgrade My name is Jelena Jurenavić 30 years ago newly independent Slovenia deleted more than 25,000 Slovenian residents from other Yugoslav republics from its registry These people usually had the Yugoslav citizenship in addition to the citizenship of one of the Yugoslav republics they came from. They lived in Slovenia with a permanent residence permit, suddenly abolished in 92, turning them into foreign citizens. This means that many lost jobs, insurance, pensions, and many were deprived of basic human, social, and political rights. Today, we are talking about the erased in Slovenia, and we have Jel Kazon as a guest, she is the associate professor at the Faculty of Social Work, University of Ljubljana, and she has been involved in the struggle of the erase for 20 years. How did it happen that the Slovenian state erased so many thousands of people of its residents in 1992? First, when you announced this, you said that people
1: were deleted from the Register of Permanent residents and they, they become foreign citizens. So yes, they become foreign citizens, but not only this people literally became illegalized, meaning without papers. And this is the problem. Not that they became foreign citizens, but that they became foreign citizens without any status, without any permit, without any legal documents to live on. And now I will try to explain slowly because it's uh, quite complicated. And still people who live in Slovenia now for, since 20 years, the struggle is going on still Many people do not understand because, I don't know, it's so complicated or or the hatred was so naturalized that they don't want to understand. So first, erasure, the term that we used for this state, structural and direct violence, the deprivation of human rights, it's erasure. And this erasure, this term, it's very important. And it's an outcome of the struggle it means not only one time event meaning 26th february 1992 when people were literally erased or deleted from their status of permanent residence were withdrawn so they literally went without right to live here in slovenia and all the rights so it's not the erasure is not only one time event of 26 february 1992 but it's a process It's a relation, and it's an institutional practice that still goes on. This is the first thing. And the second thing, the term erased, they call themselves erased. It's a dramatic word to call yourself erased. So it's a term of visibility. This term gives visibility to the struggle of people whose statuses were withdrawn. Comparing this to, I don't know, refugees coming to Slovenia. Refugees came to Slovenia from Bosnia, from Croatia when there was war in the 90s, 1990s. You could see this, I mean, in everyday life, on TV, it was in newspapers, it was visible. So you could talk about it, you could think about it, and, but about visibility you could not, about erasure you could not. It was more complicated because this erasure was done secretly. It means that, for example, you lost the job, but this was not necessarily due to erasure. It could be, but not necessarily. But then you had to, I don't know, get a new document, get a new job, get uh, social welfare support for your your child, go to the doctor. There were cases that uh, children were, were born and fathers wanted to to be written there in this birth certificate as their fathers and they couldn't and all sorts of things and you couldn't and then you went to the municipality office to arrange your new documents and your Slovene documents were taken away from you and destroyed
0: so Uh, There was no public information, any kind of uh, decree or something like that, announcing this, but people would find out in their everyday life when they tried to, for example, register somewhere or when they tried to do some administrative work at uh, the municipality, right?
1: And they couldn't couldn't, uh, get a new legal job and those who were employed at the Yugoslav army, for example, also they served their job in Slovenia, they didn't got their pensions. There were decrees, there were written decisions, but these were among state institutions. This social context is crucial to explain and it's crucial to remember and to reflect on it. Because what is happening now? That people uh, want to understand Eurasia, but they would understand it in technical terms and they would forget about the social context, that this actually could happen. Not only could happen, as I said, this was a not one time event this was a process relation and institutional practice so you would need a lot of mainstream support or general support in society to continue this it goes like this the slovenia became independent state in june 1991 There was a kind of joy of opening the society of all the plural voices and all the things happening. LGBT movement became visible and all other different sectors of civil society were very, peace movement was very active. Also very heavy nationalism was going on. That uh, now Slovenia will belong to Slovenians only. Some of us became Slovene citizens automatically, meaning that we just became Slovene citizens. It's very, um, so it means that citizen, uh, citizenship was completely ethnically defined, meaning because I had Slovene parents, blah, 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 I became a Slovene citizen. Slovenia had many people that came as workers from... Bosnia mostly, but also Croatia, Serbia, Montenegro, and so on. And these people actually made their existence in Slovenia. Also, their children were born here, they had jobs, and so on. Actually, they could become Slovene citizens too, but they had to apply for it. And already here we can see how citizenship was formed ethnically and how first-rate and second-rate citizens were formed. Because if you became a citizen automatically, it means your citizenship cannot be revoked. If you apply for a citizenship, first you have to apply, you have to decide, maybe you cannot decide or maybe your your application can be rejected or, or maybe your citizenship can be withdrawn. And then, then this was a time of this, as I said, of this ethno-nationalism. In other republics of former Yugoslavia, there's, there was war, but here the atmosphere was similar. The ethnic hatred was actually the same, just that war didn't broke up, or it, it broke up for 10 days, but the narrative, this who belongs here, who can live here, who can talk here, who can criticize the society here, who, and so on. This was full, I mean, it was full of ethno and hatred towards everybody who is not Slovene. Only in, with this ideology, with this narrative, the erasure was possible. I'm saying this because some people still think it was some kind of mistake. No, it was not, it was totally not a mistake. It was deliberate act of the Slovene state. It's a structural and direct violence towards not only the group of the people who were erased, but against everybody that was not ethnic Slovene.
0: And what happened to the erased residents of Slovenia in the immediate aftermath of uh, the erasure? Uh, how did the erasure from the register and from Everything basically affect their lives immediately. What we already mentioned, the loss of work, of rights, and in many cases also deportation.
1: Their lives got complicated and first they didn't know why. As I said, one of the biggest problems of the erasure was that it was secretly done, which means that people first thought that it's only them, themselves, that it's some kind of mistake. It's some kind of problem that they have with the um, administrative unit and that they will go there and sort it out. And then things got worse in their life, complicated. Many of them, okay, it was there were many different individuals, many different families, how it worked out for them. So a lot of them, because of this hatred, already left Slovenia because, before they even know they were erased. A lot of people left Slovenia. A lot of people actually, if they could keep their job or if their spouse would have a good job and so on, would be able to get a new first permit for temporary residence, and then from there on a permit for permanent residence. So they could get a status. If the people were in, let's say, in good jobs and they still kept them, they started the procedure again, and many of them could get their statuses newly. But also for those who got their statuses newly, was very difficult because it it means from the beginning, as you would only come first, you would have to have a reason. And reasons in law are family reunion, study, work, or national interest. So, and then for the temporary residence permit, you would need health insurance, job or, and so on. And uh, you would have to provide the um, documents from your own state. But your own state, let's say Bosnia, was in war. So what could you provide from there? Also, people did not necessarily have Bosnian documents because for, let's say, for the last 20 years, they lived in Slovenia and they have Sloven- Slovene passport, Slovene ID and so on. So this was very complicated, actually. But this complication, now we are talking now we are reflecting what happened. But when you were there in this position, you didn't know that this happened to other people too, that it was a systematic act of the state of Slovenia. You didn't know that other people was in the same position. You just felt something was terribly wrong And my life. This had the consequences for the whole family because people lost their jobs. They didn't get social support. they couldn't provide for their children and the children children were very angry and they saw that they were different from other children they were not sure why some of the people became homeless before they lived normally and then they became homeless or other people they had three jobs uh, so that they could survive because they were heavily exploited and so on from from person to person um, situation was different but on this day 26 February 1992, nothing happened. So some of the people paying rent for their flats and some people actually lived in their own flats and this happened to them or they wanted to buy the flat. So somebody, for example, lived in a flat for 20 years and it would be normal to buy for a very, for a a low price this flat and the race could not do this.
0: Uh, since 1999, uh, there have been a number of initiatives. Uh, we can call them reparations initiative. There were some court judgments, also legislation passed to return rights to the erased, and some of them have managed in the meantime to get the Slovenian citizenship and some form of compensation. What do you think about uh, these reparation processes and uh, their success today? It has been 30 years since erasure and 20 years since the movement,
1: the struggle of the race. And just a few weeks ago, we marked the, or we remembered the. Third, it was an anniversary, 30 years of um, of the erasure. And what happened was that the president of Slovenia apologized, erased for what happened to them. And he was clear on this, that it was violation of human rights done by state institutions. So it was no doubt that erased are responsible for this. Because the biggest thing after 20 years of struggle is that many people would think that erased themselves are responsible for this. They will say, oh, but you didn't ask for Slovene citizenship, that's why erasure happened to you. But, um, it was not obligatory to ask for Slovene citizenship they just wanted to keep their rights as permanent residents nothing more and now so their statuses would need to be returned this is what need to happen and also as you said the damage should be compensated and the damage is huge in human cost and material cost it's just huge so one thing among these reparations is to establish whose responsibility it was despite as you mentioned the constitutional courts but not one decision two main decisions but also some other decisions european court of human rights they were clear that this was that the erasure was a violation of human rights done by Slovenian state that they raised were not responsible for this but here in slovenia still this is not clear so that's why we think that we, together with the Erased, we think that um, the apology of the President of the State in the name of the Republic of Slovenia was important. Once again, to say they Erased are not guilty, are not responsible for this, what happened to them. So this is one thing that it goes to this reparation process. As you said, yes, when there was constitutional court decision in 1999, after this, The special law for the people who lost their status for the erased was introduced. And at that time in 1999, a lot of people got their status. It's not that they got their status back. They still had to provide some documents and they could get it. And a lot of people registered then, but there was no talk about reparations. Still the word erasure as such did not exist at that time. Then the next, Constitutional Court decision was in 2003. This one was um, outcome of the struggle of the erased as they were complainers, as they complained as a group. And again, the Constitutional Court decided that all statuses must be given back. And I don't know if it mentioned compensation or not, but then actually this narrative about the erasure became public. So 2003, the law should follow so that all they raised could got their statuses back and yes, and other reparations would took place. But none of this happened. Instead, a big public fight erupted for many years. And it was one of the major political topics for many years, actually. And they raised were stigmatized very much and seen by many political party leaders seen as um, aggressors of Slovenia. Somebody who would want to calculate, misuse the situation. They were yeah, speculators. They were called all sorts of very derogative terms in. 2012, the European Court of Human Rights decided that the erasure was a violation of human rights. And again, also then, (laughs) the Republic of Slovenia did not compensate the erased as it should. So this process of reparation is somewhere on the halfway. The law was introduced with the minimum compensation, which is 50 euros per month of how long the erasure lasted, of the state of the erasure. But again, people had to prove that they tried to get their status, but could not. So if you left Slovenia, you could not prove anything. You had to prove, not the state. The state did not give back anything still only when you proved something, which again, the way it should be, state has to, has to do something, not people that were erased. And the compensation is in this, in money, it's absolutely inappropriate uh, because people lost jobs, they lost their pensions, health, the 50 euros per month of the erasure, it, it's not um, it's inappropriate.
0: Slušate podcast pravo, uh, What about the uh, memory of the erased, and also the kind of general uh, attitude of Slovenian society about them? You mentioned already that uh, there has been a lot of uh, victim blaming, and that uh, the erased were considered guilty for being erased by the state. And uh, how is it today? Would most of uh, the Slovenian society know what happened? Is there some kind of broader uh, acknowledgement of their suffering and of the injustice that was done to them by the Slovenian state? I
1: have to quote Margaret Mead here for an answer. And she said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So actually, I want to say that I experience that a small group of thoughtful, committed people changed the world. I mean, they changed our society and thinking about the erasure. So yes, they made this change. The struggle of the race made this change that many people now would think twice what to say or would search for information or would actually understand or it would say, OK, yes, it was not just what Slovene state did to them, but after 20 years of struggle, this change actually took place. But this is slowly, it's step by step, really. It's after so many court decisions, after so many protests, roundtables, exposing oneself with their own personal story. It's after so much work that erased themselves putting this. And this
0: was a small, this is still, this is a small group of people. You mentioned the movement and the movement of The Erased and that it came into being around 20 years ago. And uh, you were also, you have been active in, in the struggle for, for all these years. How did you get involved in, in this topic, in both research, but also activism and public advocacy for The Erased? This also, I can tell in few sentences or a big larger. <laughs> Take your time. Uh, I'm pretty sure that many of our listeners, as myself, would like to hear about it in 2002-2003 uh,
1: I was researching for my PhD thesis actually I wanted to research not that I wanted I researched in asylum home I researched the refugee issue at that time not the not so much the refugee issue concerning concerning the, the Bosnian refugees but the refugees that were newly coming and were applying for international protection for asylum uh, because Slovenia was joining uh, European Union at that time and it became a kind of gatekeeper or, how would I say, border of the European Union. And there was a lot of racism from Slovene citizens. It was always, I mean, towards the race, towards the Bosnian ref- refugees, uh, these new refugees that were coming from many countries of the world, and I wanted to research this. So, my ethnographic field was the asylum home and detention center. Also, I have to say some personal remark here, because this is important, because this is why I could understand actually what they raised. I didn't know that they were raised, but what people actually were were telling me. So, I have one partner who was from Croatia, and as she was, as she is still a woman, we could not marry and our her legalization in Slovenia, her getting a papers, her getting a permanent residence permit was very traumatic for both of us. We really went through so many bad attitudes of the administrative unit and also the law was very strict, very... So we could not fit in and it was very difficult for us. And each time my partner went to administrative unit, she would be really stressed. I went with her. So I knew exactly how difficult it is to get a status, any kind of status. First, you have to get a temporary residence uh, status. And yes, we struggled really a lot to get the status, although I had a good a good job. Yes, I worked at the faculty already at that time. So this was my personal situation. And my research situation was that I took this ethnographic fieldwork research in asylum home and the detention center. And I was talking to people there. And for me, it was very painful uh, that people to hear and see that people, I don't know, they were coming from Bosnia, they were even coming from Serbia or from Romania or from Iran or Afghanistan, Pakistan and so on, they had to cross the borders illegally. I thought this was totally, totally wrong. And it put people in unequal position from the start. They could not come as a people. So this was already very, very painful and then asylum procedures were a total disaster and the whole atmosphere in Ljubljana and in Slovenia was very racist and the asylum home was very difficult to live there let alone the detention centre where where people were confined. So I also um, was able to do some fieldwork research in detention and when I came, this was in 2002, or 2001, even when I came to the detention center, the social worker asked me if I want to talk to our foreigners or foreigner foreigners, which is already absurd. And quickly I realized who are our foreigners. They were people who spoke Slovene, yes, they also thought in Slovene and dreamt in Slovene, but they spoke. Slovene and they were from Ljubljana. They said, I have my flat there, I have all my clothes there, and they were institutionalized and confined, which was totally degrading and humiliating. I mean, detention is humiliating, of course, for everybody. But people who were Slovenes and were treated as foreigners and being confined there, it's a uh, situation that was really bizarre. I talked to them and they were. Ex- explaining me, they said, look, we worked here, we worked here for 30 years and we got this now. We have to live in this room. Almost all, they came as workers. And with the ERAs, when we did uh, interviews, they always, always said, we came here to work and now look what's happening to us. So they were proud of this, of their as being as workers and trying to contribute to the society. And they were saying, look, I live here, I live there. uh, And now look at these documents. Somebody said, I will be deported now to Montenegro. And he opened his suitcase full of papers, not full of, I don't know, clothes, but full of papers and decisions because he tried to get his status, but he couldn't. And then he was put to detention to be deported. I listened and I understood. Why? What's the problem? Why they cannot just legalize themselves? Why it's so difficult for my personal experience? I understand why it's so difficult to get a temporary or permanent permit, residency permit. So I completely understood this paperwork, this bureaucracy work. But of course, I didn't know what was happening. I thought maybe they I don't know, they could also come to Slovenia after 1992, and then they would have the same trouble to legalize, to get a status. But no, they were here for 30, 40 years. They worked, they were involved, they spoke um, Slovene accent or Ljubljana accent or Štajarska accent or I don't know. And so, yes, I was writing this, I got totally paralyzed because this was so absurd and I didn't know what to do and how to explain even to myself or what to say to them. I felt really powerless, sad, angry, I don't know what else. But also, the third part, as you mentioned, activist. I was involved in activist struggle of asylum seekers. So I had some community where I could share these thoughts. I share these thoughts and also at the time I met Alexander Todorovic, who was erased and was very visible person of the movement, of the struggle of the erased. And Mateusz Krivic, who was a former constitutional judge and who also struggled with them together. And they um, introduced me to other people and... So the, the struggle began. Aleksandr Todorovic went on TV and um, explained his, his personal situation and he gave his telephone number. And so many people would call him on the phone and explain his personal story. And first we, were, we met in some um, restaurants and people like 100 people came there and they all wanted to share their story to each other and so we discovered that everybody suffered the same it was similar and alexander Todorovich coined this name they raised and we are they erased, and this is the erasure as a political term term of the political struggle and then um then some street protests and hunger strikes were, took place and man, many things to then from then on the public space was full of this was full of voices of the raised people struggling for their rights and trying to explain the situation and demand
0: what was taken from them to get back. And uh, how is the? You mentioned the commemorations of the anniversary in February. How is the this anniversary of the erased of the eraser commemorated in Slovenia? Differently now, because from 2006, these
1: commemorations were held in Rok, autonomous space. Rok was a squatted place space in Ljubljana, in the center of Ljubljana, a big autonomous space of different political struggles. Uh, also, cultural activities, sport activities, and so on. But they raised from 2006 when the rock was squatted. They raised had their space there, which means that the meetings were there, the actions were there, the performances were there. I don't know, the concerts was there, were there, the socializing was there. One person for some time even lived there and so on. But one year ago, in the time of heavy corona restrictions, municipality of Ljubljana also secretly in 4 o'clock in the morning when attacked the rock with the help of the police and the security and they demolished it and took it from the rock community. And of course, as in the case of the er- erasure, lying so it's for us it's another erasure before in in 1992 it was erasure of people and now a year ago it was erasure of community rock and the space because this space was so important for us and also the space the rock autonomous the space rock was very much connected with the struggle of the race and a year ago they demolished they evicted violently evicted the space and so also the commemoration of the 30th University of the Eurasia was very difficult to do without the space because we had no place to meet. But still we did a lot of things and it was a good feeling and we were sad, yes, we were sad because of the Eurasia and because of the rock. And this year, as I said, the president of Slovenia apologized and. Amnesty International was very involved, which means that maybe also some activities were more structured, or how would I say, connected to some some funds. For example, there were, by them, there there were two exhibitions organized, and one is, now both are particularly important and significant, but one is especially, there are big um, jumbo posters at the street in the center of Ljubljana, and the really good uh, photographers of the erased each each jumbo poster has one one face of the erased person one person of the from of the activist of the race on and a few sentences about these sentences are very strong and the emotions on their face on the f- photographies are very strong so when you see the, these Jumbo posters with their faces and with their words, this is, it's such a strong message. I knew these people, but still I looked at the posters and read, and I really admired how they uh, express themselves with words and faces both. It's just an amazing exhibition. And the other exhibition was uh, dedicated to the struggle of their race. So 20 years of struggle of their race, And there were photos of many actions, I don't know, from hunger strike, to lectures, to caravan of the race, to Brussels, to, I don't know, all sorts of things, because there were so many things organized that is just... This was also a very difficult work to organize because you could not put all the thousands and thousands of photographs that came out of this struggle. And then there were other things. There was this play, a theater play, Erased, they so like a forum, a private forum of the Erased and Erased themselves are playing it and one of the Erased persons, Irfan Beshirovich was, um, he's also a very known activist. Uh, he was director of the play and the play was written by uh, Francis Slag. Unfortunately, he died. And um, this play was first played in um, Social Center Rock and it was a total success and we had such a good time and now it was played again in the proper theater even so it was quite funny but also then in Metilkova in another squatted place yes then we had lectures at the faculties and other activities.
0: Thank you Jelka for sharing with us your ex- your own personal experience but also an insight into uh, the erasure of 1992 in Slovenia and uh the struggle that has taken place for the last 20 years. This was uh, Memory Cultures in Dialogue, the podcast of the Humanitarian Law Center with Tiel Kazod. Thank you for the invitation. Socialist podcast Fonda the Fund for humanitarian prav. Right.